0: It would be impossible to describe my journey to the mystery of the Eucharist without mentioning a wonderful priest and mentor, Father Joe Keefe. I met him during my first semester at St. John's University in Queens, New York, though our first meeting was, well, let's just say was rather unusual, and that's putting it mildly. I was 17. I was not a Catholic. And I had attended a party in Manhattan on a Saturday evening. When I got back to Queens, I noticed that I didn't have the key to let me into the house where another student and I had rented rooms. It was about 1.30 in the morning. Now, I knew that the university chapel was always open, so I went there to crash. I saw two very large closets. So I went into one of them with every intention of getting up really early and bolting out before anyone else came in. And when I got into this one closet, there was this very comfortable chair in it. And I thought, now what an odd place to put a chair in a closet. Well, I fell fast asleep. I woke up to hear a woman's voice say, bless me father, for I have sinned. (laughs) Oh dear. Well, I bolted up and you know, and I saw this sliding screen door sort of thing. And I just slid it open and I said, you really should see a priest. Well, startled, the co-ed rushed out of the closet and said she was going to get a priest. I since learned very quickly, by the way, that that was not a closet, is what Catholics called a confessional. Well, I was pretty sure I was going to be expelled from the university. I mean, how else could it be? I had to have been, it had to have been the only time in the history of the church where a non-Catholic undergraduate student almost heard a confession in a Catholic church. I still think they burned people at the stake for that. I'm not sure. Well, the co-ed brought the priest over. I braced myself for the worst. It was Father Joe. I explained what had happened. I apologized profusely to the young lady. She wasn't having any of it. And instead of calling the wrath of God on my miserable soul, Father Joe just laughed like this happens all the time. And he said, well, you might as well stay for Mass and we'll go out for breakfast afterwards. Uh, Okay, (laughs) sounds like a deal. And so began four wonderful years of mentoring. Now, that was the first Mass that I attended And like all newbies, I was utterly clueless about what to do and when to do it. And fumbling through those books in the pews was utterly frustrating, totally useless. And the occasional death stares from the still torqued-off co-ed did not help. But there was one thing I was absolutely certain of. When Father Joe said that Mass and offered what I later would learn were the words of consecration something powerful happened at that altar it was unmistakable even as a non-Catholic I could see that Father Joe was an agent of some kind of mystery a fragile bearer of a reality he had no control over but which he served with understanding with devotion. Now some in the congregation were attentive to it. Some were oblivious. And some were just plain bored. And I suppose it was that way with the apostles at the first Eucharist. It's that way today. Fallen human nature often resists or shuts itself off to divine mystery. Well, Father Joe and I met regularly during those four years. I pummeled him with questions about Catholicism and especially what happens at the Mass, which I often attended. Sometimes Father Joe was the celebrant, but usually there were other priests, some of lesser talent, passion, and skill, but still the mystery was always there, and that fascinated me. Father Joe frequently said that the priest is, the, is just the instrument Christ uses, and some priests choose to be better instruments than others. In my final year at college, I approached Father Joe and I said, I want to become a Catholic. <laughs> to which he said, Well, it's about time. I was a slow learner. I was received into the church on a very foggy Easter Sunday morning at the university chapel, along with several other undergraduate students. What I recall so vividly was kneeling and being riveted by the priest, speaking those words of consecration. I knew then, as I know today, without the slightest doubt, Jesus had come. He had come to feed me with his body and his blood. Not a symbol that I can simply take or leave, not a representation, but the ultimate reality of divine love who defies time penetrates through and transforms bread and wine into a miracle whose supreme goal was to transform me. This is why, to this day, I always tell people, you want to see a miracle? You want to see a miracle? Go to Mass. Go to Mass with the, with the eyes of your mind open. You don't need to go to Fatima or Lourdes or Knox or Medjugorje or any of those other. You don't need to go to those places. You want to spend several thousand dollars? Put it in my collection basket, but to attend Mass. (laughs) And open the eyes of the mind to who is coming for you. Well, then I went to receive the holy gifts. It's impossible to express clearly what I experienced. I received the Lord and I returned to the pew to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. I really have no idea how much time had passed. It didn't matter. That moment was captive to eternity where time was meaningless. I was embraced by divine love, infused with Christ's life, fully accepted by him, despite all the frailty of my fallen nature. And as strange as this may sound, I sensed I was participating in every mass that was ever said, and every mass that will be offered, because again, when eternity intersects with time, as it does at every mass, as it's doing right now. Time has no meaning. The church herself has no boundaries. I did not have any visions. I did not hear any voices. I simply knew. I did not receive a thing or a piece of bread or least of all, a theological theory. It was Christ who grasped me, forgave me, drew me into the eternal life he offered despite my being a sinner. I was still kneeling when everyone else stood up. My friend Jack was with me. Jack is Jewish. And he had never been to a Catholic Mass. He asked, Are you okay? I said I was. And later over breakfast, he made the comment I don't know what happened to you, but something did. It was not a what, it was a who, it was a person, it was Jesus. I carry that experience with me today on very, very rare occasions. It repeats itself. It is not something I can either create, conjure up, or control. If I could, it wouldn't be genuine. I accept it for what it is, an undeserved, unmerited, unearned gift that reinforces what a spiritual director would tell me many years later A priest will answer to God for how reverently he celebrates every mass he was graced to offer. So offer every mass as if it is the last one you will celebrate before you are taken into judgment. My time at university was coming to an end. My classmates and I were gonna be thrown out into the real world. I had secured a job and was preparing to move. In my last visit with Father Joe, I said, Look, <laughs> you've heard all my confessions. You know me better than anyone. So this is going to sound crazy, Father, but I think I want to be a priest. <laughs> and no, in this typical no nonsense sort of style, he just simply said, That's the problem with you converts. Always in a rush. Nope. I want you to go get a job, be active in a parish, fall in love with a good woman, and consider marriage and having kids. If you still want to be a priest, we'll talk. We never had that talk. I allowed the flow of life to take over. I was happily active in my parish, found a great woman with whom we shared many mutual interests and thought we could make a good life together. I had a wonderful job. I had a good circle of friends. Life was as good as it could get. Until one afternoon, when the associate pastor of my parish asked if I would offer communion services at a local nursing home I said, okay. And I enjoyed it. And I was actually encouraged to preach. Something quite unusual. Thoughts of priesthood returned. I wrote to Father Joe to get some advice. And I received a letter from his religious order telling me that he had died from a sudden heart attack while waiting for a bus on January 1st, 1978. And he was only 63. But I thank God for the time that we had and what he had already given me to help me make an informed decision. I often think about Father Joe. I think of the other priest mentors as well who were taken from this world. Father Bill Esmenschade, who took me under his wings when I first came to Wyoming and was assigned here in Buffalo. He always said, it doesn't matter how many Masses you celebrate, for those who come, it is their first. And how you celebrate it will either help or hinder them from seeing Christ in the Eucharist. Father John Wright and Father Carl Beavers also stressed a similar thought when I was under their tutelage. Those priests didn't just talk about the theory. Fallen creatures, They strived to put the theory into practice every day of their lives. Sometimes they hit it out of the ballpark, and sometimes they didn't. But they tried. They knew what they were graced to be, agents to make Christ present in the mystery of his body and blood to feed his people. Why is it then There are those who call themselves Catholic but settle for just going through the motions and never allow themselves to realize how much Christ loves them. That he is present to nourish us with his true body and true blood for the forgiveness of our sins and offer eternal life with him in the here and now. How does that happen? I will address that in my next talk, but let me just say for now, there's plenty of blame to go around, and I will start with the clergy.